0: All right, let's get our Bible turned to the book of Leviticus chapter 3, Leviticus chapter 3. Just for a little bit of review, we've gone over two of the, how many offerings are there, sacrifices? Two of the five, two of the five, very good, Ben. And uh, what are the first two we've studied? The burnt offering and the the meat offering. Meat is what? Food. Right. Actually, is there any meat as we would say it? No, there's no meat in the meat offering. It's just it's grain. All right. All right. So what did we learn about the burnt offering? The burnt offering, how was it done? It was. It was what? consumed it was the entire animal was consumed and what did that symbolize what what did that represent or foreshadow it, it, exactly remember this was this was ultimately god's offering we saw the parallel we saw how that uh, abraham was going to offer isaac as a burnt offering, which is why his entire body was on top of the wood, ready to be burned. And, and of course, we know Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice there was, was a type or a picture of Christ's sacrifice and how that the Lord was entirely consumed in the wrath of God on the behalf of sinners, on the behalf of you and me. And so that's the burnt offering. And then we also saw the meat offering. It is the only one of the five offerings that does not involve blood. Right, exactly. And it represents what? Exactly, it represents our labor, our service, our work, the works of our hands, right? Because that was what's required to have those things, the grain that's required to, to give the offering offering. And uh, the the meat offering required, uh, let's see, it required three things. Anybody remember? Three things in addition to the the grain or the flour. What were they? Oil, symbolizing the Spirit of God. What's the second one? Salt, symbolizing grace. Grace, let your speech be all with grace, seasoned with salt. And number three. Frank frankincense, Frankincense, symbolizing prayer, prayer. And we talked about that and the different the different ways those things interact. And so uh, and so you have those, these uh, these first two offerings. So now' we're, tonight we're going to go into the peace offering. So let's just read chapter three and verse number one through verse number five to kind of get a context of this. Chapter three, verses one through five of Leviticus. The Bible says, And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire Unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the caul above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, uh, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire. Of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Notice very before we pray. Notice verse six one more time. And Aaron's sons shall burn it. That's the peace offering, the fat of the peace offering actually, on the altar upon the what? The burnt, the burnt offering, the burnt sacrifice. So before you even get to the peace offering, the, there has to be the burnt offering. The wood is laid, the the wood, it, you might say this, the fire is started for the burnt offering, which is offered first, right? And then upon that offering, the peace offering, the fat of the peace offering is burned. This is a key and an important point, all right? And it says, which is upon the wood that is on the fire, it is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you once again for the opportunity to meet and look at these uh these different things in the Scripture, Lord, these foreshadows. You, you are, it is obvious, Lord, that in the uh, organization of this economy, of the law, the sacrificial, the sacrificial system with the Jews, that you were involved and you were orchestrating it all, all in order to point to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we are enriched by what your Word says here. I pray that tonight you would truly bless and help your people. As we study your word, give me wisdom and guide my thoughts and words to know what to say and help the hearts of your people to be open and receptive and uh, willing to receive what your word says. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So the, there is no peace offering before there is a burnt offering. So the burnt offering is first, and what that's, that's the most important, point, one of the most important points to remember is that the burnt offering, is we saw already, is God's offering. The peace offering is different. So let me explain to you how this peace offering goes, and we'll see different verses that, that, that show you these things, but instead of going to all the verses first, I'll just explain it, and then you'll see them a little bit later as we go. So the peace offering, it could be you could offer something of the herd or the flock, which is a, a goat or a, or a sheep. And uh, the blood had to be the, the, the animal had to be killed and bled, and then the blood, had to be sprinkled upon the altar of burnt offering and then the uh, the animal the, the fat of the animal and, de- and without going into all the detail the fat of the animal was then taken and burned entirely so you had the blood is sprinkled the fat of the animal is burned on the altar and uh, and then and then and then and then also we'll see in just a minute, part of the animal, either the breast of the animal or the right shoulder of the animal was divided from the animal and it was given to the priests. Okay? Does that make sense? And they were the priests and their family. It was a way that the Lord uh, organized and, and established to provide for the priests while they are working for not just them, for their family for that day. Okay, while they're working in the in the temple in the tabernacle, remember on the table of showbread, which we'll look at later, the table of showbread had bread that was available to be eaten by the priests who are working. So in other words, the Lord provided a way for them to have lunch, basically, right? And so they th- this uh, this meat would be given to the priest for him for him for himself or for his family, and then that leaves something left over, which is the remainder of the animal, okay? Now, let's look at these verses very quickly. Look at verse number, look at chapter 7 of Leviticus, chapter 7, verse 15, or verse 14, rather. Now, notice this. And of it he shall offer Out of one out of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto the Lord, and it shall be the priest that sprinkled the blood of of the peace offerings, and the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings, that is, the man who offers it, for thanksgiving, shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning, but if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offereth his sacrifice. And on and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten, but the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. And it goes on to say that those who were unclean, ceremonially unclean according to the law, were not allowed to partake of this because this is something that was came from an offering. Now, why does that matter? Here's what I'm saying. So, after the, the blood is sprinkled, the fat is burned, the breast or the shoulder, depending on the circumstance, is removed and given to the priest, the remainder of the animal is then to be eaten on that day or the next day by anyone who is associated with the offer. There are no specifications as to his family, his friends, his neighbors. And this is why in the Bible, you'll often find a peace offering as a kind of offering in which many people are coming together to eat it. And this is also why, going on to the historical notes that Sister Karen was talking to me about with the study of Esther, this is why, and this is not uncommon in the world. Eating that which has been offered to your God is a common thing. It's a common thing in the world in pagan religions. Uh, and this is why in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, the, the, Bible, the Lord addresses the question whether it is okay for a Christian to eat that which has been offered to an idol. This is why. It's the same thing. Now, of course, in that, in that case, the answer to that question is no, it is not okay. But not because the idol is God, but because of the conscience of those involved. And so the Lord says, you stay away from it for their, for the conscience sake, not because it's somehow, you know, this is what God, this is what God made as provision. So it's not because those idols or anything, anything in the world, they're not, they're just stone, they're just gold, whatever. But the Lord says, but but because of the conscience of those people, the Lord says not to do that. All right. So do you understand now why I know this, this might be a little bit foreign, the idea that you make an offering and then you eat it. (laughs) That's. That's what, that, this is what is, uh, is happening here. So the man who made this offering would call whoever. It was, a, it was a, a festive time and would call them together and they would have, they would share a meal. So as you can see, this is a kind of a public event, right? And it was something that involved other people. But the first thing we have to establish is this. As the scripture says, going back to verse number, uh, chapter three, the very first thing that was done, even for the peace offering. Let, let, me, let me establish this first, okay? What does the peace offering symbolize, okay? The peace offering represents that one has peace, fellowship, and communion with God, okay? The burnt offering is a, is a perfect illustration of the sacrifice of Christ, all right? And then you have the meat offering, which is a representative of one's labor for God, Right? Which is acceptable. We saw it. We saw in the scripture. And then you get to the peace offering, and the peace offering in scripture is associated with thanksgiving, with praise, and with rejoicing. It's not associated with sin, it's associated with praise, thanksgiving, and rejoicing. And you'll see the two together often, and I'll show you some verses in a minute. But so when the peace offering occurs, what is happening is this offerer is offering. Voluntarily, Now, because the peace offering is voluntary. The burnt offering was required at certain times. We'll get to the sin offering and the trespass offering required. Peace offering is voluntary. It comes out of thanksgiving. It's done, it's done willingly by the offerer because it represents his peace, fellowship, and communion with God. Now, Here's what we have to understand. So, so you might say that this offering represents our relationship to God as a believer, okay? But here's the thing I want you to understand about this. Even though this peace offering doesn't directly represent the sacrifice of Christ, it represents our relationship as a believer. The blood of this offering still had to be shed and had to be sprinkled. It still had to be shed and sprinkled where it was required. And here's why. Because Christ's sacrifice for us is, even now that we are a believer, is still right now the basis for our peace, for our fellowship, and for our communion with God. Right now, the blood of Christ is standing at this moment in heaven before the Father as a testimony to the fact that He took our place as a substitute. At this moment, it is a testimony. This is why you and I can have peace with God, and this is why you and I can have fellowship with God, and this is why you and I can have communion with God. If that wasn't the case, there would be no peace, fellowship, or communion with God. Remember, this is called a peace offering. So even though this... this this offering deals primarily with our relationship and communion and fellowship with God. It is based upon the blood of Christ shed for us. This is why it's in there. It is impossible to make a peace offering without, as, let me restate that. As it is impossible to make a peace offering without the death and shedding of the animal's blood. That's what words required, right? We just read. So it is impossible to commune or fellowship with the Lord without Christ's sacrifice. I want to tell you something. The whole of your walk with God, the whole of your relationship with God, the whole of your, of your fellowship and communion with God is solely standing on the blood Christ shed for you. Without that, there is no fellowship. You are aliens. You are foreigners. We are without hope and without God. So a lot of times we think of Christ dying for us in terms of, well, that's how, that, you know, because of that we can, get, we can trust in Christ and be saved. No, 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 not just that. It is the basis of our standing at this moment. No matter how many years, we and even in, the, even into, in, even in uh, Revelation chapter, what is it, chapter 4, chapter 5, the Bible says that the, the, the 24 elders who represent the church the twenty-four elders will cry out and say, "Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, and they're in heaven." The peace offerings represent the sacrifice of Christ, making our fellowship and th- fellowship with God and our thanksgiving to, the, to God acceptable. It all starts and goes back to the blood of Christ. The only way that our worship, the only way that our thanksgiving, our fellowship, our praise is accepted of the Almighty is because of Christ's sacrifice. We are accepted in Him. That's the key. This is why, listen, this is why religion and all of its liturgy that we talk about on Sunday night and of all of, all of its practices... And all of its works and all of its performances and its ordinances and all of those things can not bring a person in fellowship with God. Only the blood of Christ can do that. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to read this verse because this is just fantastic. On the subject of this being called a peace Offering, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Peace comes in two forms. You have peace as in the idea of tranquility, not being disturbed like a, like a cove on the lake, right? And then you have the idea of enemies and, and being at peace, being at war. This, that's what we're dealing with here. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse number <clears throat> 15. Excuse me. The Bible says, now now please listen to this verse carefully and follow it because you, you might get lost. We might get lost if we don't pay close attention. For we, all right, that's believers. That's you. That's me. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. What is a savor? You know what a savor is? It's a smell, right? Now read it. We are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ that's what you see in this offering the peace offering is a sweet savor because when you burn anybody that grills knows that when you burn fat on the grill what happens that's where you get the smell that's what makes you want to want to eat right It's the fat. So when they would take the fat of this animal and burn it on the altar, the smoke would go up and it would have a strong smell. And so the Lord often points out the sweet savor, the smell. In other words, it's pleasing to Him. That's what it means. But this verse says, We are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. Listen now. God accepts our fellowship because we smell of his dear son, whose blood was shed for us. You see that? We are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. So when the Lord sees us, just as that, that fat was burned, when the Lord sees us and he interacts with us, he does that because we are in Christ. That is our access. We are accepted not because we're part of a church, not because of religious works. We are accepted for one reason, because we are in Christ. That's it. This is why, listen, your worship, your thanksgiving, and your praise should always go back to the cross. His blood shed for you. Your prayer are to start with that. Your service to God ought to revolve around that truth. It must set the context for everything you do as a Christian. Everything you do and I do as a Christian. Listen to these verses on the subject of peace related to that bloodshed. Listen, Romans five one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No other way to have peace. The gospel in Romans 10.15, the gospel is called the gospel of Peace, because it brings us peace with God. Isaiah 53, verse five. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Ephesians 2, 13 through 14 say this. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace Jesus is our peace. Colossians 1.20, And having made peace through the blood of His cross. Once again, our standing, our fellowship, our communion, our thanksgiving, our praise is only acceptable to God because of Christ's blood shed for our sins. We have to get this. Next thing I want us to see about this offering is the fat. Is the fat. What is the fat? In Scripture, let's look at, it, let's look at Leviticus 3. I want to point out one verse to you and we'll, we'll hurry along because I don't want to get bogged down too much. Leviticus 3 and verse number 16. Notice what it says. It's just a curious fact here. Leviticus 3 verse 16 says this, And the the priest shall burn them upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire for a sweet savor. Notice that. All the fat is the Lord's. All the fat is the Lord's. Look at verse 17. It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings that ye eat neither fat nor blood. Now, how many of you have read that and thought that was kind of weird over the years? Me too. The Lord, we'll just say it like this. The Lord, for the purposes of the sacrifice, the Lord has reserved the blood of the sacrifice and the fat of the sacrifice to him. Now, if you'll if you remember, we were, when we were looking at Cain and Abel last, last week, Remember we talking about we were concentrating on Cain's offering being the fruit of the ground, and but we looked at we briefly looked at Abel and in Genesis 4 4 the Bible says that Abel brought the firstlings of the flock. What's the next phrase? Do you remember? Who 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 was paying close attention? He brought the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof. So apparently Abel's offering was not a burnt offering, but a peace offering. Which reorients the entire question of Cain and Abel. Because a, uh, Cain was trying to fellowship. He was trying to do an act of service. He was trying to do an act of worship to God, right? using the works of his hands, and God did not accept it because it was, there was no blood that, that, that was the, the basis for his worship. And his, had there been, if there had been a burnt sacrifice, like we said last week, then it would have been accepted, but there wasn't. But Abel's, off, Abel's offering, because we know he was a righteous man, he brought a peace offering. That's why the fat's there. You don't, there's no mention of fat in the burnt offering. It's only in the peace offering. So he brought this as a peace offering to God to, to demonstrate his communion and his fellowship as a righteous man before God. And God accepted it. Why? Because that animal's blood was shed. It all points to Christ. The basis of our fellowship is Christ. But notice, Abel brought the fat, the fat of his offering. Now, listen. We know, we know what, you know, you think about fat. What is fat? You know, fat biologically. The first mention of fat, this is interesting to note. Uh, actually, not the first mention of The first mention of fat is in Genesis chapter 4. But the first mention of fat as it is biologically is this. Genesis 41 verse 4, it says this. And the ill-favored and the lean flesh, this is Pharaoh's dream to Joseph. And the ill-flavored and the lean flesh kind, or cattle, did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Isaiah 30 verse 23. Then shall he give the rain of thy seed, that thou shalt sow, uh, shalt sow the ground withal, and, and bread of the increase of the earth, and it shall be fat and Plenteous. In that day shall thy cattle feed in large pastures. And lastly, Habakkuk 1 verse 16 says this. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag because by them is their portion fat and their meat plenteous. Why did I read those? Because where does fat come from? You know what it comes from? It's very simple. Fat comes from abundance. When you and I, when we eat, we you know there's all these diets about cutting calories and all those things. Why? Because when you eat more than your body needs, what does it do? It stores that that the carbohydrates in particular as fat in your body. And of course, we oftentimes we don't we don't like that. But it's actually in, Bi- in biblical times it's a sign of abundance, because if on the other hand you don't have enough to eat and you get skinny like it happened in Venezuela after. Uh, uh Hugo Chavez, Hugo Chavez, right? Did I get that name right? Somebody help me. Yeah, yeah. Hugo Chavez is the one that instituted socialism and their economy flatlined and, and people lost on average 20 pounds. You know why? Not because they were doing Pilates. No. Because they have enough to eat. See, being thin, like, this, like we read in Genesis four Genesis 41, being thin, uh, showed that there wasn't sufficient but being fat indicated plenty. Okay, so why am I saying all that? The fat in this offering that's being offered represents God's blessings already given to you. Cuz you have this animal unlike Genesis 41 with the the dream that Pharaoh had where these thin and ill ill Ill-favored cows come and they're skinny like they look in Cambodia. The meat in Cambodia is so tough. You know why? They are so skinny. They're so skinny. There's no Wagyu steaks there, I'm telling you. It is so skinny. And that meat is so tough. My wife has to cook the, cook the food and the, the beef in the crock pot for like eight hours just to get it more. Okay, how, how long? Huh? Sixteen? Just to get it to where you can chew it. You know why? No fat. You know why? Thin cows. Thin cows. But then if you bring an offering and you take the fat out of that animal, then that means that animal was well favored, well fed. You think of a fatted calf. It's the fat itself symbolizes prosperity, blessings, Abundance that God has given to you in that animal. Do you see the picture here? That remember that the, the aspect of fat. We see, thing is, in, in our country, we lived with such just just excessive opulence that fat has become a bad thing, right? And we talk about health problems and all those kinds of things, but really, that's if you think about it, that's a That's actually a byproduct of huge amounts of blessings on our lives physically. The fact that we have to deal with that problem is actually a good thing. It's actually a good thing. Uh, You would not want the reverse. I don't think I would either. You didn't know what you're going to eat or you could only eat certain things and uh, you didn't have enough. That, that, that That wouldn't be pleasant at all. So you have the fat. Now keep that in your mind, all right? Now, let's look at chapter 7 once again, verse 12. I want to look at the initiation. Who initiates the peace offering? Chapter 7, verse 12 says this. We already read part of it, but I want to read it again. Verse 11 says, And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving... Then he shall offer it with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes. And he goes on to say that. Then drop down to verse number 15. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day. Listed in those two verses were three ways to initiate this offering. Number one, thanksgiving. Number two, a vow. Number three, a voluntary offering. So what you see here is that the peace offering was voluntary. It was done, you think of a thanksgiving offering. The peace offering was done as a response to the goodness of God in a person's life. They recognized God had been good and had blessed them. And in response, in answer to that goodness, they they gave this offering. It was a way to express one's thanksgiving and praise to God in a tangible action. But even still, there were guidelines. We have this idea in our world that you know, somehow, if, I'm do, if I want to do anything or offer anything to God, then it's just whatever I want. No, 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 no. God had, God had ways a way to do it. The peace offering in general was not compulsory. It was a response. It was freely offered. Now, look at, look at Leviticus 22. We're going to jump around a few verses here in the next little bit, but I, I really want you to get this. Leviticus 22. Verse twenty nine. And when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. On the same day it shall be eaten up; you shall leave none of it until the tomorrow. I am the Lord. You see it—the free gift. So here's a question: Why would I fellowship and commune with God? Why would I walk with him? Why would I praise him? Why would I give him thanks? That's what this offering represents. It has to be done freely from the heart. But there's a motive behind it. Look at Psalm 54. Psalm 54. Verse 6. Psalm 54, verse 6 says this I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. You see the sacrifice? Voluntary. Why? God. You have been so good to me. You have been so kind to me. Look at Psalm 107 since we're already here. Psalm 107, verse 21. This is a very familiar psalm. has the, the re- repeated refrains. Verse 21. Psalm 107, verse 21 says this. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Listen, do you know why we have such a hard time fellowshipping with God, giving praise to God, singing praise to God with our heart? communing with God on a daily basis? Do you know why? Because there's no thanksgiving. There's no recognition of God's goodness. We are blind to it. See, God's goodness, the abundance he gives us, not just physically but spiritually, is supposed to prompt our sacrifice, our communion, our fellowship. It's supposed to be the motive that drives it. And yet we often find it so hard to walk with God, to praise Him, to thank Him. It's, 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 it's like, it's like as, they, as they used to say, it's like pulling eye teeth. Why is it so hard? The Christian life is not supposed to be like this. Do you know why? Because we're not paying attention to God's goodness to us. That's why it's drudgery. Look at Psalm 116. You see this person this person because they were overwhelmed with God's goodness would say I've got to do something and God provided a way an outlet. You see you know what they did? They sacrificed. It cost them something this animal. That was valuable. They brought this animal and said, I'm going to give this to the Lord in public in front of everybody as a peace offering. God, you are good to me. I want to commune with you. And they gave it and well, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. Psalm 116 verse 17. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows. We saw that in Leviticus. Leviticus. Unto the Lord, now in the presence of all His people. Notice the presence of all the people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Why is it so hard for us to praise the Lord? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. I Listen. Let, let me just read this. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5, and then I'll I'll say what I want to say. Chapter 12, verse 5. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put His name there, even unto His habitation shall ye seek. And thither thou shalt come. And hither, and thither, ye shall, talking about Jerusalem now, Ye shall bring your burnt offerings, we know that, and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings. That's that's what they would do. I I failed to mention this. When they took the breast or the shoulder, they would wave, the priest would wave it before the Lord, heave it up, lift it up, and then it would become his, right? That's when the Bible talks about a heave offering or a wave offering, that's what it is. It says this, and heave offerings, middle of verse 6, of your hand and your vows, all right, that's a peace offering, and your free will offerings, that's a peace offering, and the firstlings of your herds out of and of, of your flocks, and there ye shall eat before the Lord your God. You remember I told you that's what they did with it, right? They had a feast with the peace offering. That's what they're doing here. And ye shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. There's the fat. Listen, on Sunday morning, I talked about, we talked about Apollos and how he was a diligent man and he was a zealous man. And I talked about apathy and how apathy is plaguing churches and Christians and none of us are exempt. None of us. It seeks to plague us all the time. It's like a chain. It's like a dead weight that pulls us down. When we want to rise up, when there's something as a result of God's Spirit in us, we want to rise up and and commune and fellowship with God and live for God, it drags us down. Apathy. It is a sign of the times. But the question is, why are we so apathetic? Why? Why? We're apathetic because we have lost sight of what God has done for us. We don't live in light of the cross. We don't live in the context of Christ's blood shed for us. That's not a significant truth to us. And because it's not, there's no response. It's just humdrum, yeah, I've done this my whole life. The peace offering was a response of joy, of praise, of thanksgiving, or even of a vow, dedication to God. It was a response of communion. Why? God did it first. This is what God, and this, these blessings I'm talking about that the fat represents is not about the physical thing, the money in your bank and stuff. It's not about that at all. If you and if I don't live in the context of Christ, what he did for us, we will not ever find energy to commune and fellowship with God. We will be perpetually apathetic. Let me say something. Do you know why I went to the mission field? Do you know why we stayed on the mission field? There's only one reason. Not because we're great Christians, not because things are easy. No, no, no. It's because of what Christ did. That's it. It was an answer to His bloodshed. How could we not? You see, our communion, our fellowship with God is supposed to be a response to His goodness. So if we don't feel that urge to respond, that urge to give the peace offering, then maybe the problem is we're, we're, we're not seeing His goodness. that's all around us. The last thing I want to point out will be done. I talked about how the waved breast and the heaved shoulder parts of the animals would be given to the priest after it was lifted up to God. And then we talked about what they did after that with the remainder of the animal. They would have a, have a meal, a feast. They might call their family, their friends, their neighbors. It was, a, it was an opportunity. And of course, when you have a, a meal, someone's bound to say, what is the occasion of this sacrifice? And what's the offer going to say? I was just thinking about how abundantly blessed I am. I was thinking about what God has done for me. How He saved us out of Egypt, and how He provides, and He's given us so much rain this year, and it has helped us, and we are, just have abundance. And our kids are healthy, and we haven't had much sickness, and I have a new baby. And we would say, as New Testament Christians, and Christ died for me, and He sustains me, and I have His Spirit, and He keeps me from sin, and He provides all the material things that I need, and I have the opportunity to serve Him, and He saved me from death and from the lake of fire. That is the occasion of this offering. This is why I brought it, and this is why we're having this meal. You see, similar to the meat offering, this offering did not just benefit the offerer. It benefited others who were touched by the communion of this person and the fellowship of this person with God. It affected them too. It supplied for the priest's needs. It was an opportunity to rejoice with others who came to this meal. In this way, your communion and my communion, our communion and fellowship and thanksgiving and praise to God further benefits those around us. It has extensions beyond just our life. When we are prospering in our fellowship with the Lord, It is a positive influence and effect upon everybody around us our family, our kids, our grandkids, our church, our spouse. That's what this offering was voluntarily given. An answer Lord, you have been good to me. How can I not but walk with you and live for you? And you know what? I know you are just like me. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like walking with God. I know that. But it's at that time that we have to think, Lord, what did you do for me? What did you do for me? And when you think upon all the things that God has done, most importantly, the cross... Christ, taking our place, there will come up a reason in you to give this sacrifice of a peace offering. Let's pray.